podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so the end is in sight for yet another season, and our second, in fact, the difficult second album, and we're back for our final pre-game week pod of the season. We're doing game week 38 one uh, towards the end, just to wrap it up, but yeah, it's the last kind of pre-game week one, isn't it, of this year. Uh, thoughts are already turning to next season, and we're here to indulge this and let our speculation run free this week. I'm joined today by Nick, of course, the laughing boy. Are you all right, mate? How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, the end of the season, getting everything wrapped up and a little bit of break from FPL, but then, you know, plenty of time to talk about, you know, the transfers and next season and what's going to happen. And as like Tom said, that's going to be the focus of this pod. Just to say quickly, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can use Spotify or SoundCloud, whatever you like to listen and subscribe. So, Tom, what's on the menu this week? week so we're assuming that uh the fpl zeitgeist will be full of game week 38 chatter this week meaning we're not going to focus on that too much we'll of course discuss it and the question section will pretty much give our thoughts on it instead we're going to navel gaze and speculate on next year uh, focusing on the economy and how fpl towers may price things uh, for the next upcoming season 2019-20 we then of course look at our usual features for one final time with the market providing a hint perhaps of how game week 38 is shaping up too and on some questions no doubt we'll talk about uh, the final game week of the season so let's start with the game week reviews I'll, I'll get mine over and done with it was a pretty unmemorable unremarkable game week 37 um, to conclude what has been generally an unremarkable season FPL wise I got 39 points in total which was a game week rank of 4.6 million which is pretty, pretty damn shocking but yeah Son minus 2 was a, a pretty terrible start and generally it, it didn't really progress or improve from there um, I tried to avoid overmanagement actually in the end, so I didn't do any transfers at all. And I sat with the same team that did so well for me in, in 36, but didn't really pay off at all. I kept the capacity on Saturday, he got me seven times two. And um, Laporte, what a lad, he got me um, 12 points. But <laughs> apart from him, everyone else blank. So, oh, well, I mean, that's it. Just one more game week and, and see how things go. Uh, what about yourself then, Thomas? Yeah, lad, Laporte. Um, yeah, he was one of the rare bright sparks for me. Interestingly, I had the opposite reaction to last week's pod on overmanagement. And I actually um, taught myself out of doing the hazard transfer. And then the kind of the, the beauty of hindsight is that I should have done the transfer, should have taken the hit, should have brought Hazard in for minus four and given him the captaincy. Um, but because we spoke about overmanagement, I think I just thought, no, no, you know what? I'm going to take a punt. I'm not going to take a hit this week. And so I brought Sigurdsson in. And uh, yeah, that was a moment of great despair. I was sitting in there. Berlin, uh, just trying to keep hold of what was going on. And um, yeah, I saw that he got given an assist. And then I posted on Twitter, yeah, you know, got assist, woo, I've, you know, instant returns. And loads of people jumped on it and were just like, oh, no, no, it's no goal. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so annoying. Uh, so yeah, I, I lost out on that. And yeah, it didn't really get any better from there, really. Uh, 44 points overall, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, Laporte, uh, the two guys saving the game week to some extent, Sterling, the captain, blanked. And Pretty much everyone else did as well. So yeah, yet another unremarkable game week and as you said, an unremarkable season for me as well. Uh, moving forward then to our speculation on next year, because of course we just want this this year to be over, I think, to some extent. The post from Adam Hopcroft, Frank Walsh and others have started this conversation already. We thought it would be interesting to talk about next year's prices and how it's going to be set up, what the landscape's going to be like. The scenario we know quite well, we said right from the start, uh, a little bit in David Wardell's book actually, and um, that we're going to focus on the economy as part of this pod and uh, we look at value a fair bit in terms of points per cost and things like that give you guys something different uh, to, to what you're probably going to be hearing everywhere else of course we're speculating as a huge caveat we know we're speculating don't make any plans or say anything we say is anything other than logical guessing we've got a few killer stats for you and things like that based on a past evidence and past data so what's happened in the past and, and how can that inform us so we found in the summer that pricing significantly correlates uh, with performance to a huge degree across players currently in the game it shows on a quantitative level where we prove this through looking at the data that prices are mostly set by objective means rather than human ones um, our underlying assumption is that prices are led by performance but nick there were a few exceptions to that rule weren't there yeah, definitely. I think we saw it previously with Vardy, haven't we, in the past, and Firmino, and also and also with some of the Chelsea assets, which we'll talk about in a little second. 
but pricing tends to balance, and they do this very well, actually, to their credit, uh, pricing tends to be balanced between choice and stopping auto-include. So things like Mo Salah being 30 million this year, Salah becomes a choice through the pricing because of the significant sacrifice you have to make to purchase 30 million this year meant that you had to dilute your squad uh, quality to bring in Salah and in the past saw that with Harry Kane. Although there's always kind of one or two, I think, they, they kind of bet that they recosted. Uh, Aramon the Saka of 4.0 this year comes to mind. And I think I really called this out, actually, um, as some of the, an example of some of the stranger pricing metrics in defence and how perhaps there was a bit more value in, in defence. And uh, I think it'd be really interesting to to see if um, FPL continue to go down that route um, in terms of underpricing defenders and overpricing the forwards or if they change it up a little bit. And I think two teams that have been in a, a real different class this season, Liverpool and Manchester City, come to mind, um, particularly when we talk about some of the defenders that they've had this season and some of the returns that they've got. I, I don't think we've seen a duopoly like this for quite a while. In fact, I think it's probably unprecedented. Maybe, you know, Arsenal, Man, Man United a long time ago. Um, but we think that it's really going to force choice, the fact that you've got two teams who are absolutely steamrolling the rest of them. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you just mentioned that perhaps they're going to be underpriced. But I, I wouldn't be surprised personally to see TAA, Robbo and VVD all given the same sort of prohibitive price because the double up is a no-brainer at the moment. Uh, VVD and Robbo have broken the 200-point barrier. And TAA is actually Outperforming Robbo for the final third of the season, he's just assisted again against Barcelona. And if they're all 5.5, 6.0, we probably we'd be all over having two of them, right? I mean, that's 11 to 12 million of your budget. But if they're you know, seven million each or something like that, then it's a real choice to go for the double, and you have to make significant sacrifices to acquire both. Like maybe you know Allison for six plus one of those is going to be the way forward, and Edison as well actually on 20 uh, clean sheets, and both those Brazilian goalkeepers. One of them maybe a, a better way of kind of covering. Uh, the double up which I, I think a lot of people are aiming for at the moment yeah so you know as I mentioned Alonso got a 7.0 million price tag for 165 point return but not for a 155 point return and I think Baines Slayton Baines was actually the uh, the last man other than Alonso to get that 7.0 million price tag or more and he tops out at 177 points so feasibly this uh, next year we could see that sort of price for Laporte Trent Alexander-Arnold who you mentioned who's proved a real bargain at starting the season of five 5.0 million Laporte also started the season unbelievably at 5.5 million and, and uh, Virgil van Dijk and Robertson and, and they both unbelievably managed over 200 points which is the first time ever for defenders and is you know just superb season so many clean sheets attacking returns they've just been fantastic haven't they and um, I, I actually looked at this a little bit more to add some context to the achievement and the crowning achievement that is 200 points for instance Mane a £9.5 million midfielder only managed 147 points last season. Hazard, a £10.5 million midfielder, only got 173 points last season. And um, 200 points is higher than any player got in the 2010-2011 season, where the top scorer, unbelievably, was Nani with 198 points. So that really adds some context to their performances that even if EVD and Robertson were 7 million next season, even if TAA was 7 million, I still think they actually really really good value um at that price considering if they can if they can achieve another 200 point return why not double up still at 7.0 you you mentioned the importance of choice but i still think you know look at these guys these these guys have produced phenomenal scores that you know vastly outperforming the likes of manning and hazard last season who are like 10 million pound midfielders Oh, absolutely. We've said that point quite a few times and really kind of backed up the Sir Nicks a lot, big at the back sort of thing. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get the inflated price and people would be like, oh, you know, that's a bit too expensive. I want to spend that money going forward. But as we've seen, the value that they can provide for that, that starting price, I mean, it seems scarcely believable, doesn't it? The TAA was 5.0. I think it may go down in kind of mythic folklore in FPL that he was so cheap at one point if he continues to produce as he is producing at the moment. Um, in terms of uh, Le- uh, Man City as well, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Laporte does get a fairly hefty price tag. I couldn't believe it. I mean, the 5.5 million, the same as last year, I think, when he first entered the game, that he still got that like 6.57 I think would be absolutely fine for him a uh, fun fact on the port if you'd captained him um, in the uh, in the double game with Man City you'd have gotten uh, 106 points in total that's 40 points in double game at 25 36 in double game at 32 and 30 points in double game at 35 compare that to Sterling um, who'd have given you 42 or Kun who'd have given you 72 that's not even discussed Sane um, but you can see where actually 
value for money does lie with those defenders. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Laporte does get given quite a high price. But I, I think in terms of the defence for Man City, other than him, that Edison, as I mentioned earlier, may get 6, 6.0 alongside Alisson. Um, Zinchenko might be an interesting one, actually, because he's, um, I can't remember where I read it, maybe in the Med, that he's been uh, viewed as a naturalised left-back now. So he might be a good uh, a good option next year if he's like, well, 5.5 and preferred um, to Mendy. I mean, do you think people are going to be put off, though, if there's a high price for, for those defenders? I really think people will look at it and just be like, nah, that's just too expensive. I still think if they were 7.0 million, I can see most people's teams starting next season with at least some form of Liverpool, Manchester City coverage. I think it'd be quite crazy to exclude those guys. But as, as we said, you know, they're in a different class. There's, there's misshapes between the Manchester City and Liverpool defenders compared to perhaps the, the Arsenal and the Manchester United defenders and, and maybe even the Spurs ones. And if those guys who we've talked about sort of having terrible seasons um, actually have their defenders uh, cut in price, then there could be potentially some bargains there, maybe even a, you know, a cheaper Spurs defender as well, because they all started the season. I think it was quite funny because they had about seven defenders all at 6.0 million. If some of those get price cuts as well, you could you could potentially see some bargains there. Just talking about the goalkeepers briefly, as you mentioned, the likes of Edison and Allison, they could be actually the, the bargains in the defence um, for those sides if, if they maintain their their prices because um actually I looked at um, De Gea and he actually managed 172 points um last season people forget how important he was for United last year with all those day saves and yeah he was only priced at 6.0 million at the start of the season so I'd be surprised to see um a 6.5 million pound goalkeeper so perhaps even if we see you know the Liverpool defenders all 7 million perhaps the um the goalkeeper coverage will be the way to go next season because we always see that the FPL um towers they like to um they like to price the goalkeeper slightly cheaper they always like to do the same with the defense as i've mentioned in previous seasons though um I have a feeling it might change next season. As I mentioned, those Manor and Hazard examples, if they really go harsh on us and put someone like Robbo at eight or Virgil at eight, then perhaps um, looking at the likes of Alisson will be the way forward. There's an actually interesting question here on Mo Salah. He's still the highest point scorer. Uh, 13 million, do you reckon he'll get that? I think it's almost definite, isn't it? And how will that relate then to Mane? And how how will that kind of all fit together? Like my personal impression there is that Mane is going to be Sterling and given a high price as well. Remember at the start of the season, we all balked at the fact that Raheem Sterling had been given 11.5 at the start of the season. And for a long time, we all thought, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. That's so high. People like you know, Mark Sutherland, for example, didn't think that. But the majority of us thought, well, that's really, really high. And I think that Mane is going to go that way as well. And I think actually Mane versus Sterling is going to be a, a, a real head scratch. Plus Salah is going to be a very, very difficult choice. So Salah, Nick and Mane and Sterling, how do you think they're all going to fit together? And what do you think the approach is going to be there? So I think with Salah, he, he got the £13 million price tag um, last season. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if he was reclassified to a forward next season, because I often see when they, they put the team sheets out, so he's been playing in that number nine position more often than not. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's, he's changed to forward. And with that, he will get a price decrease for sure. Um, I mean, last season, he, he was freakishly good. He got over 300 points. This season, he's been brilliant again. But he's only managed 256. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be about 50-odd points um, less than his returns last season. So it could be um, that he gets that 13 mil again or he gets dropped down to 12.5 perhaps. Or if he gets reclassified to a forward, they might even be generous and say, look, he's a forward now. We're going to drop him all the way to 12, which will definitely make him an enticing prospect. And also, I think, add a bit more um, depth to that forward category, which I've been very critical of, um, lack of options in that forward line. And I think... Um, FPL might do a little bit of a shake-up with a few more reclassifications. Last year, we got um, Arnie and Zaha. I wouldn't be surprised like Sasala or Yotta or Richarlison maybe even get reclassified next season. But um, with uh, with Sterling, he's actually on the same uh, number of points as he got last season. So he's probably going to be the same price, 11.5. Mane, though, has uh, vastly outperformed his uh, performance last season he, he's got 55 points more he's about the same amount of points as Sterling at the moment so I wouldn't be surprised if Mane gets the 11.5 alongside Sterling you're not going to be able to have a team with Mane, Sterling, Salah, VVD you know all, all these other players you know triple up on Liverpool triple up on Manchester City I think you might have to look at some of the other interesting um, members of those teams perhaps Bilver or someone like that as, uh, as an option. 
Yeah, I had a KDB and Bilva maybe being interesting choices. Uh, no idea on Sane whether he's going to be there. Uh, mm. Pep was absolutely fuming with him, wasn't he, throughout the Leicester game? You know, like it, it reminded me of Mourinho with uh, Luke Shaw, like shouting at him throughout the game, telling him instructions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It just doesn't feel like that's that's a fit. I, I can't see that player being happy, especially with the reports midweek that Pep had a go at him in training. Um, Mane, just to add, um, it's actually incredible his performance this year. Um, overperforming, you might say, just one proper assist he's had two FPL assists so he's had three assists overall but the 20 goals and um, without penalties as well and um, the fact that he's hauled himself to that level this is really something to behold because a lot of Salah's um, returns were due to you know getting those lucky pens over Christmas weren't they uh, but regardless of, of that context I think that Mo will still be given the, given the high price tag um, up front then you think that Mo may be a striker I think that he, he and Kun uh, may well then be the binary choice. I think Kinn's going to get the 12. Still the highest scoring striker, I'm sure. Five off to the 200 club, so he might make it there. Firmino may take a dive on the other side of it at Liverpool. Uh, I think there may be Kun and Salah. Uh, that'll be the choice up front for the premium, proper premium striker from these two clubs. So as I said, the duopoly is going to be really interesting to see because it's going to be very, very hard to cover all the bases. You're going to be exposed somewhere. Yeah, I think um, last season... Um, Aguero was more rotated off quite often with Jesus. It seemed like, um, you know, Aguero was kind of on his way out um, as he was ageing and um, Jesus would be the future of Manchester City. I think it's been a lot more clear cut this season who is the starting pick and who's going to, who's been consigned to the bench. Whether that will be the same next season, we don't know as Aguero does get older, but he has been... Um, you know, really important, really, really important member of that Manchester City team next season. And it's definitely going to be in our over 30s team as well that we set up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, like you mentioned, Aguero and, and Mo will probably be the, the leading men, potentially, if Mo gets reclassified in, in that forward line. I think Firmino, um, he's had a, a bit of a mixed season. I don't think it's been as good as it was last season, to be oh, honest. Yeah. Um, he's always managed 12 goals um, and eight assists last season, yeah, 15 and eight. So I, I wouldn't be, I would be surprised though, if he did get a price for, I probably think he's, you know, FPL Towers will probably give him that same price of 9.5 million, which is it still looks pretty reasonably appealing uh, for what he offers. Um, though, obviously, like you mentioned, Mane and Salah have been the, the shining lights in, in the uh, forward line for Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. I think that's going to be the way it goes, really. So we see a choice-strewn future uh, for, for those uh, for those two clubs. And I think it would be really interesting to see how people and where people go um, on that kind of point. Moving down the table then, like I spy perhaps a few bargains. We mentioned uh, Spurs earlier on. Uh, maybe, I think they may maybe stay around the same. You know, uh, Kane maybe back down to 11.5. I don't know whether they're going to be able to have him on the same level as uh, Kun and Salah based on this year's performances. But Son might be an interesting one, mightn't he? Yeah, Son's another one that could potentially be reclassified as a forward. I mean, he has had a really good season. He's definitely going to be due a price hike. He, he was quite good value, to be honest, um, at the start of the season. 8.5 million, you know, he, he fitted quite well into our teams when um, he became that key man in Kane's absence. And Kane has been quite absent for a lot of the, te- um, a lot of the season. I think at the start of the season, there was a bit of rotation risk um, with Son, which meant that and he was also away for the Asian Games, which meant that we got quite a nice uh, price for him. But next season, he'll definitely be uh, more expensive. And whether he proves value for money depends on what price they give him. I mean, like I said, 8.5 million this season. He could easily be 10 next season, which would be probably a bit too expensive for a lot of us. But his um, his returns have been really good. Kane, um, Kane on the other hand, 12.5 million um, at the start of the season. Uh, I'd be surprised if they reduced it all the way to 11.5. I think that would be um, really, you know, a really decent price for him because, you know, obviously he's been injured this season, which is, you know, they, they do take that sort of thing into consideration. This is a guy that got 29 goals last season, 29 goals the season before. If he hadn't been injured for so long, then he could have easily managed that sort of haul this season. though he has had a bit of a quieter season. Um, so I would be surprised if he gets a you know, drop to... Um, 11.5, which you suggested, I think perhaps um, at 12.0 million, I think that'll be, you know, some people will be thinking that's let's get Kane in, especially if Spurs have some really good fixtures at the start of the season. Mm, yeah, perhaps. I, I think that um, it obviously depends on like, the wider landscape and how that's kind of going to look. Um, but I, I don't think that they're going to be able to price Salah and Kun as the same price as Kane. I think Kane will take a little bit of a chip, but 
we so Chelsea, no idea who's going to be there in game week one, so let's not talk about them. Um, we've mentioned them already in terms of defence. Um, Arsenal and United are going to be interesting ones because they may take a dive in the pricing. Um, Pog will be 9.0, I think, um, if he's still there. Um, he was 8.0 at the start of the season, but he's still the sixth highest scoring midfielder. And in the PFA team of the year, um, of course, so you know, he can, uh, young players like Lingard can learn from him um, over the course of next year. And uh, Albert, Lacquer, I mean, I don't really know who else the target's going to be for Arsenal and who's going to be signed, but you, you might be thinking that both of them will probably stick to where they are, right? Although Lacquer was underpriced compared to Alba this year. And it... I think with the Arsenal team, you know, they haven't been worth, it's not been worth owning them at all this season. They've all been, you know, the, the forward line has been the only ones that you should consider at all. And, and they've both been pretty expensive for what they've offered. I mean, Aubameyang has actually had a, a pretty decent season in terms of, FPL with a you know being the second highest scoring forward at all but it's just never been a stage of the season where I've really thought I have to get this guy in he's so critical I need to get him in now and I think looking looking at him he's not really had many hauls has he and as, as part of the problem being a forward you miss out on the clean sheet points the extra point that's so important for scoring a goal and uh, I think it's indicative of the fact that he's only actually had one double figure return since game with 24 and Hazard in comparisons had five so I think um, with Aubameyang I would probably say he's probably going to stay the same price. I'd be surprised if they hiked him to to 12. Actually, he started 11, so maybe it'll be 11.5 next season, maybe. I don't know. Or he'll stay at 11. Um, and Lacazette, he might get a price rise of about 0.5. But the rest of the Arsenal um, team will, will drop for sure. We'll definitely see price drops for the likes of Oatsall. Um, you know, Mustafi was 5.5. He might be a 5. <laughs> 4.0, I think. Yeah. Too expensive for Mustafi. Be- yeah, Bellerin will be the interesting one. If he's 5.0 million and he's fit at the beginning of the season, he'll definitely be one that I would consider for his um, sort of potential for attacking returns from the defence. So he'd be quite an interesting one to monitor perhaps next season if he's he's fit and ready to play. But there's not too many, um, too many options there. I think um, with United... Again, the likes of Valencia was 6.5 million at the start of the season, which is just a bit ridiculous, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I think Pogba will be the only one that gets the price rise there. You know, um, got an interesting stat about Lukaku, which we'll save for later. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Aubameyang uh, is leading the steeplechase for my favourite metric, big chances missed. 21 big chances missed this season. Uh, Callum Wilson and Jesus um, are the in, in silver and bronze positions. Let's move on to something a bit more interesting then. Jimenez. Um, so Jimenez is obviously our talisman ship leader and the king of the talisman this year. And I, I really think he's going to become one of those choice picks next year because I think that, you know, starts the season at 5.5 million, the scarcely believable uh, 5.5 million. And he's risen all the way to 7.0. Um, I bet he'll get, you know, 8.5 or something like that to make it into a choice pick for him. You know, like 9.5 is a hard no. Nine is a probable no. 8.5 though? Hmm, I don't know. It's not beyond FPL to do that sort of thing. Although it's interesting that, Wilson, if indeed he's still there, as our friend Matt noted, he's actually only 13 points behind Jimenez, but I suspect he will only get the 7.0. So we might end up seeing quite a lot of options on offer around that kind of 7 to 7, 8.5 sort of area for, for the forwards at the start of the season. And maybe Jota as well. Um, he's been playing up front with Jimenez a lot of the time. Maybe he'll be the cheap kind of option that a lot of people in FPL uh, flock to. Uh, maybe you know, 7.5 I and mean, we started the season poorly, but ha- has really come on uh, towards the end of the season, hasn't he? Uh, Jimenez, what do you think? Do you think I'm right or do you think I'm over overshooting the mark? So I think Jimenez has had a really good season. I've been critical of the forward line, as I said, but at 5.5 million pounds, Jimenez has basically been the bargain of the season in terms of the forward line. 179 points, 13 goals, 10 assists, you know, pretty, pretty brilliant. I think in terms of pricing, we, we saw last season Vardy got 20 goals to assist, got the 9.0 million price. Um, and that's sort of, you know, the, the example, the comparator for, for a sort of a player at a, you know, a similar level club. And um, another comparator perhaps is um, Marco Anatovic, who got reclassified, but he was only reclassified at 7.0 million. He got um, 11 goals and and seven assists, so slightly less than what Jimenez got this season. So I think he, he'll definitely be between those two players in terms of price. I can see perhaps eight, eight or 8.5 million maybe for him um, as, as sort of a rough estimate. I think it's definitely one that you should still consider. That I think for, um, for Wolves, there's a little bit of risk actually, um, 
because they're probably going to be in the Europa League unless Watford win the FA Cup final. Um, so they could be potentially fatigued at the beginning of the season from the early start. And we saw this in seasons past, Burnley, Southampton, Everton, uh, West Ham, all having really bad campaigns because of their early Europa League start. So it might be the Wolves struggle a little bit, perhaps. Um, but, you know, yeah, Diego Yotta, the other one you mentioned, could potentially be reclassified as well. And we you know, 6.5 million. He had a rough start, uh, but he's had a really good second half of the season. And I hope um, FP, um, FPL Towers look at the, you know, the whole season rather than just the second half when they're, when they're pricing him and, uh, you know, give us a nice sort of balanced 7 million for a midfielder. I think he'd be a really good value if you get something like that. But if he's reclassified as a forward and they hike him all the way to 7.5 or 8, then he, he might be pressed out. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if if he's Zahard or something to seven point zero and a forward. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him become very popular in the FPL community. Um, only for him and Ez to go on an absolute stunning run at the start of the season. I get what you're saying about Burnley, for example, with the UEL, but Wolves are a different cat of the fish, I think, from Burnley, and they've got the resources, depth, depth of squad to manage that kind of start of the season. I think it'll just be towards the end of the season where we'll see uh, some fatigue perhaps uh, kick in after the seventh plate finish this year. The UEL can be a bit of a double-edged sword for a lot of teams like that. I mean, you've got Rashford as well, kind of hanging around uh, of 7.3. Like, do you think that he's going to how do you think his price is going to go? Because he, he, it looks like he's going to be the player that um, is going to stay at United and he's going to be the guy who OGS, provided he's still in charge, uh, who knows whether he'll still be in charge by October or something like that, um, is going to be building the attack around. Like, surely he might um, be very good value for money because I can't see much in the performances to suggest that he should be given a hike. Yeah, I don't think he will get the hike. I think he'll probably be about the same as he was this season. He started off about seven million. That was off the off the back of seven goals, five assists. So he he got the Man United boost to a certain extent anyway, because that's quite a high price for forwards when when you compare it to um, Arnie scoring double and getting the same price. But um, FPL Towers seem to um, always give price hikes to those players from from uh, the top six sides. We saw it previously with, you know, Michi Batshuayi signing for Chelsea and getting 9 million, the likes of Sturridge and Giroud being 9 million despite never playing and that sort of thing. So it might be that he does get a price hike just purely because he plays for Manchester United, even though, you know, some of these other guys like Chris Woods and Glenn Murray have actually outscored him this season. Um, so it'd be an interesting one with Rashford. He might get a price hike just because of potential. And, he, you know, he might be one of those players that suddenly really breaks through and, you know, gets a 20-goal season. I mean, we, you know, he's, he's been hyped for a while as, one, you know, one of the young starlets alongside the likes of um, Lingard at United. But uh, he's, still, he's still not really made it, has he? <laughs> no, certainly not. Right, uh, so we could back, bang on about this all day, but uh, let's move on to another point of interest, which is the, the promoted teams. Um, so a lot of the time we fall into the trap game week one of thinking, yeah, this guy's going to be the new Mares. This guy's going to really take off, you know, the likes of Tom Kearney and uh, Jota, who actually got an assist on game week one. I forgot about that. Uh, Grey star teams earlier on uh, this season. I think the watchword from me here, and I'm guessing you may well follow me, like whatever their price is, unless they're like a 4.0 enabler who's going to on your kind of third bench as a defender, just watch and see what happens. You know, guys like Ender Stevens, uh, Sheffield United, uh, who looks like a doctor but plays on the left. Um, probably going to get a 5.0, um, you know, based on people like Tommy Smith in years past who have done well in the championship. Uh, you can afford to wait for a while um, to see if a Doherty does arrive and get them in on the early wild card or get them in early. Like, I think the players like, you know, the Southampton boys or the Brighton boys are probably going to be a, a better choice. So, you know, you'll be looking at them and thinking, well, they're going to do better for you as a proven quantity. Like a Duffy or a Valerie is going to be absolutely fine there. Now, what do you think about the promoted teams? Do you echo that? Yeah, I would tend to echo that. I mean, we only know about Norwich and Sheffield United at the moment. I can definitely see Sheffield United um, struggling in the Premier League next season and <laughs> clean sheets being a rarity. I think um, it depends if they can secure their goalkeeper, Denderson, actually, because he, um, he's he been one of their sort of main men. I think I saw he was in the uh, championship. If, if championship had an FPL, he'd be in the team of the season and... Uh, He's gone back to, um, to Manchester United, so if they can get a decent goalkeeper in, he'd be potentially someone to, to look at. But I think they will struggle next season for sure. I think um, Norwich, I think, um, potentially going to do um, a little bit better. They've got some quite interesting um, young defenders, um, which are worth considering. Um, you know, likes of Ben Godfrey and um, Max Ahrens, who, who have 
both had pretty good seasons in the um, in the championship. But we've seen it in the past. We've you know we've seen these players hyped. Um, you know, Doherty's been brilliant. Obviously, he's been a bit of an exception this season. But uh, Wolves have generally been an exception to um, promoted sides. You know. They've been brilliant. But, um, you know, we've seen the likes of George Friends, for instance, hyped and a lot of people having this guy in their teams. Um, when Middlesbrough got promoted, he proceeded to do jack. So, you know, you, you do have to take it with, with a pinch of salt with, um, with some of these players. Exactly. And a lot of players do seem to get high. Like, there's always one or two players that get the high kind of uh, price tag, don't they, for the promoted teams based on nothing other than hype. Um, you know, FPL um, you know, last year, Tom Mint 6.0. Yeah, he did very well. Uh, this year, the likes of Ryan Sessignon, for some reason, given a 6.5, like based on nothing. Um, and also the likes of Isaac and Benzer at Huddersfield, uh, given, given the 6.0. Like, again, based on absolutely nothing other than the price tag. So they do go a bit mad, don't they, sometimes with the promoted players. And it, I think it is absolutely fine to wait and watch. Like, Doxy only really emerged as a, when he dropped to 4.4 as being a great option. But he didn't lose anything by not having Doxy in before that. So I think the first two or three game weeks, that's when we look at those teams and assess who's worth it, who can cut it in the Premier League, and and then you buy them in. It's always quite exciting to have someone new and shiny in your team, someone new to the Premier League. But more often than not, they're out by game week three as they as they fail to adjust to the to, to the pace of the league. Um, and typically, you actually see you know players on their second or third season in the Premier League that that really shine. And you know we've seen it from some of those 5.5 million diamonds in the past, um, you know, like Josh King and Ryan Fraser this season being an absolute star in his about sort of further season as an established Premier League player. Yeah, exactly. It always reminds me, like when we're looking at these kind of cheap options, like um, Lego Mane, Dan asks, you know, will 4.0 midfielders next year be a thing? Like you look at your initial team, you're setting up those kind of, uh, who's going to be on the third bench? And I always think about Joe from FFS when he was chiding Mark a couple of years ago, saying there's no escape from a lofter's cheek. And it's actually bang on, like a lot of the time that FPL guidance mentions on Twitter as well. It's actually best to invest a little bit more to have that kind of 14 uh, or 13 if you get rid of the second goalkeeper you can have that squad depth it'll be interesting to see in the context of what we've spoken about in terms of Liverpool and Man City how people judge that I'm guessing people have forgotten all about this by the time we get there uh, but there we go alright uh, so this, uh, just to conclude the section then the future Nick the future how, how do you think it's going to look well, yeah, like I said, I think uh, next season we could see some changes in the FPL Towers. I think the 4.0 million midfielders, I've never seen that before. It looks like a bit of a statement in terms of perhaps some pricing changes. I think, as you mentioned, the future, let, let's all move on to the year 2000 when me and you were attending school discos and uh, make, makes me feel very old. But Callum hudson Adoy and uh, Phil Foden were born. And I think potentially there, there could be the future as well, both 4.5 million midfielders this season. We could potentially see those guys break into their team starting 11s. And if they're really good value, they could be some really interesting picks. I think Foden playing against Spurs and playing against Leicester is a statement of intent from Pep. And he's, he's got seven goals in 25 appearances this season. So if he's a nice, kindly priced then he could be um, a really good pick. A lot, as Tom. I can see you frowning, Tom. A lot of those mm-hmm. goals were against the likes of Burton and Newport, but <laughs> he has managed. He has managed that this season. And I think. Um, I think next season we'll definitely see some restructuring the prices. I think my final point, and I'm sorry if my listeners are a bit peeved off about me ramming home about um, defenders being better than forwards, but Wan Bissaka, a 4.0 million defender, has managed to outscore an 11.0 million striker in Lukaku. You know that the, the system. is is a bit broken and I think definitely FPL probably are aware of that this season I think there could be a few changes afoot on the back of that Great point that's a bit of a mind-blowing stat isn't it but 4.0 defender that you pay effectively 0.4 because that's the cheapest price that you can afford has outscored an 11.0 striker that's that's just ridiculous i think in terms of my view of the future or at least what i'm tipping uh, there'll be there'll be huge emphasis on choice next year like we spoke about the importance of choice in the past but it really it will really come down to backing the right horse a lot of the time we we're going to really struggle to pack in the players next year the duopoly of city and liverpool mean there's a scarcity of resources and maybe a bit of a focus more on the differentials uh the cheap differentials and cheap options we'll have to really make some tough decisions next year but the final thing to say is if this happens every year uh, we worry who will fill the void as our favorite guys you know get priced upwards like, you know we haven't spoken about him, but luca dean for example he's had a great season like it wouldn't be wouldn't be a surprise to see him up at 5.5 6.0 every year we see this don't worry there's always going to be replacements and you'll forget all of these things uh, <laughs> by the time game week four or five next year rolls around and uh 
we're, we're talking about something else entirely. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting to talk about and uh, hopefully interesting for you guys to listen to as well. All right, let's take a break there and we'll move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's the features section for the last time this year. It's our usual section where we talk about three things, the market forces, the Nick pick and the All Englands. Um, we might give a Zombie League update next week as well, just to let everyone know who won. Maybe have a look actually in a minute just to see how everyone's doing and if there's an undisputed winner or if there's a race on. Um, but we'll start with the market forces, Nick, and it maybe give us some indication of how the market is moving and what the sentiment is around the final game week. Uh, you're looking at numbers, what you see. Okay, so... Um... Obviously, the big move is um, a lot of people selling uh, Hung Min Son um, with over 240,000 transfers out. Anyone who owns him is basically getting rid. A lot of people perhaps are waiting for the um, Champions League um, matches, etc., to be over before making their final picks. But, you know, like I said, a lot of people just getting rid straight away, 240,000 transfers out. And, um, yeah, all the top five in terms of transfers in are all midfielders. And um, it's a bit of a surprise. Well, not really a surprise considering the fixture, but perhaps considering the market forces last um, game week where we saw was being heavily sold for some reason even though they had Huddersfield a lot of people obviously knew something that I didn't before that game um that uh, Pogba was actually now the most um, transferred in midfielder. Clearly, people are looking at the sort of the Son price of, like I said, about eight point five. Looking around that same price bracket, and uh, Pogba fits the bill very nicely as a straight swap if they don't own him and they're looking thinking Cardiff. You know, he's on penalties, could easily get some points. So um, I think there's potentially a risk that he doesn't even play at all. Um, as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might ring the changes and play the youth for the final game week of the season now that they've got nothing really to play for apart from their own pride. So um, Ole might, you know, make some sweeping changes as he, you know, looks to stamp his authority on um, on, on a team that perhaps um, aren't performing to the, the standards that their fans expect. Um, but still, most people seem to think Pogba's playing, uh, transferring in at least 60,000 transfers in. I'll certainly be holding him and um, hoping he gets me some return to the final game of the season. Um, the other guys being transferred in, uh, Bernardo Silva, over 55,000 transfers in. Um, yeah, it's, we talk, I mentioned him briefly at the beginning of the season, um, earlier on in the pod, and I remember deriding you actually a little bit at points when you talked about owning this guy, because I said he wasn't nailed on, but now he definitely is nailed on. That, that slot in the team um, is his. And what's interesting about him, I think, is Manchester City obviously definitely has something to play for. Um, and uh, he'll, be, he'll definitely be on the attack in that final game. And they've got quite a decent fixture against Brighton. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a really good punt, actually, at this, um, this stage of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that. I mean, seven goals and eight assists this season. He's outdone how he did last season when he got six goals from five. Um, there are a couple of moments where he looks a bit spicy um, against Leicester. Um, didn't get on the score sheet. I mean, there was a shot from outside the box, where I thought, which I thought was destined for the top corner. Uh, interesting to see how, how he does on the final day. Um, but I think you're right about people who are getting rid of Son. I mean, Spurs are appealing that, but... I mean, he did shove him in the face, um, so I, I doubt that they're going to they're going to win out on that one. Uh, but you know, Bernardo Silva, as mentioned, Ryan Fraser's also been brought in by fifty one thousand people, and uh, you know, it, elsewhere is is actually all about midfield, isn't it? In terms of uh, transfers in and out this week, unsurprisingly, perhaps the final week you don't really want to be buying a defender, do you? Uh, Eden Hazard's been brought in for foot by forty five thousand people, and Asado Mane's been brought in by near the same number too. Uh, the four guys, though, are, are probably as you'd expect, right? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of people have sold Mo Salah with fifty thousand transfers out. He's he's had a head injury, which meant he was ruled out of the Champions League um, semi final. But you know, I've got him. I'm hoping he's fit. To be honest, um, I'm hoping he's recovered for that final game week, and he she should play um, that match as well. Even though Divocari he's had a really good match in the Champions League semi final. That that's like still Mo. And I think Firmino now. I think Firmino potentially, uh, if he's not fit, I don't think Klopp's going to risk him for the final game. I I think he might be the one that misses out for or he so he's um he's had 33,000 transfers out um and uh, the other one that's been sold is Jimenez um 80,000 transfers out I mean it's a bit of a surprise I guess but they do have Liverpool and we, we know how compact that Liverpool defense has been and um for all sort of the heroics of Jimenez he's only actually managed one goal in the last um five game weeks or so so he, he's on a bit of a dry spell to be honest um and with Liverpool a lot of people perhaps Looking at that final move and saying, actually, I, I want I want to get rid of Jimenez. Um, interesting enough, Aguero, who I'm looking at, is is the most um, transferred in midfield um, forward at this moment in time with over 30,000 transfers in. So perhaps a lot of people are upgrading Jimenez to Aguero for that final game week. 
Yeah, I mean, you've got quite a few people, actually, quite a few forwards hanging around that sort of area, right? Uh, just underneath Aguero, you've got uh, Solomon Rondon, my bet noir, uh, brought in by uh, j just 9,000 less uh, than Aguero so far. Uh, Callum Wilson, 28,000 in. There's a good thread by uh, Neil, Neil Murray on Twitter about that one. And uh, Wolf Zaha, who I, I'm really looking at this week, uh, 22,000 people have brought him in. Uh, yeah, you can see people have got money to burn. I mean, Firmino, your man, been sold by 33,000. And uh, Marcus Rashford uh, going the other way to, to Paul Pogba. Um, people probably saw um, his attempts at set, set piece and thought, no, nah, I don't know any of that, uh, sold by 32,000 this week. So it looks like it's all about the midfield, all about the forwards and people just making moves to uh, to, to fill a gap in their team, right? Yeah. Uh, moving on to the, uh, the Nick pick then. This is where Nick uh, picks a player who's perhaps uh, less heralded, less interesting, less sexy as a pick, but is more guaranteed to score points, think Laporte. Uh, so last week, Nick, you chose Jota and he was very unlucky not to register actually against Fulham. Had a couple of uh, very decent looking attempts um but yeah ultimately a bit of a blank uh, for your final nick pick of the of this season uh, we'll probably we'll continue this one next year and i might throw in one actually alongside it i might throw in a hail mary to balance it out so a nick pick and a tom pick the nick pick being a boring one and my pick being a ridiculously spicy one that no one's gonna buy um but uh, yeah who are you looking at this week then so I decided to, to close the season with a very unsexy pick just just for just for the lols, really. You know, I've gone for I've gone for Kyle Walker. Um, so he, he's nailed on for that right back slot. There's there's no chance that Pep's gonna rotate and give Danilo a run out for that final game week of the season, is there? So that's one um, one thing in his favour. Secondly, they're playing Brighton, who are just absolutely dreadful going forward. They've managed only two goals in, in the last eight. And unless the nerves get the better of Zincheco and he does a Shaka type foul on knock cart in the box that Brighton's just not going to score are they so I'm just basically saying that a clean sheet is guaranteed isn't it for Manchester City so that's going to be definite points for Walker and I think we've, we've sung Laporte's praises all season haven't we but Walker's actually not that far behind in terms of overall points um, 148 compared to 169 he's had a goal and assist and 18 clean sheets to his name which is pretty damn decent to be honest isn't it that's, that's the equivalent of 20 um, 20 attacking returns um, and um, in the last six game week there's nothing to shout about in general with Walker he's a very boring pick which makes him the perfect Nick pick for this week but <laughs> he, he's, he was seventh for chances created in the last six with eight and one big chance and uh, but yeah you know Kyle Walker clean sheet perhaps a bonus if they're lucky if it's not a big scoring game which is probably not going to be it's probably going to be City grinding out another 1-0 or 2-0 isn't it and if he can get um, a cheeky and attacking return he could be in for a decent return there but you know very steady Eddie pick isn't he yeah, no, nice one. Definitely fits all the parameters. Checks out with a Nick pick. All right, um, just to give a quick update on the Zombie League then, I've just had a look and it looks like there is a winner. Um, it is uh, UJK Zombies. Um, he's ahead by 52 points on the nearest rival. That's Ujwal Kharki, Captain Mo Salah for the whole season. So it makes sense. And had Eden Hazard next to him. Uh, but it's his back line. Uh, which have won it for him. So big at the back again, showing up. Edison in goal, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Van Dijk, Azpilicueta, Mendy and Wambisaka were his back five. So over the course of the season, that's been pretty damn good. Mendy has been starting as well. So he's playing 4-3-3 actually from the very, very beginning. Zaha, King and Arnautovic, his, uh, his three strikers. Second, third and fourth all had Salah captain all season. It's only when you get to fifth uh, when you have uh, for Victoria's Secret, uh, Glenn Hamilton, a captain otherwise than that in Eden Hazard. But yeah, uh, commonalities all across the board really in terms of the fact that the defence is what won it. Uh, the, that kind of consistency of returns from defence just shows it's Someone was listening to us at the start of the season, perhaps, in terms of going big at the back. Just to add as well, Uchwal has ended up at 96k in addition to whatever he scores next week. It's incredibly depressing for me that somebody who set their team in game week one has beaten me. Uh, but, but there we go. Uh, it's just, just the way it falls, isn't it? And just shows the power of the defence. If you just leave a team for the season, have decent defenders, you're probably going to do all right. Excellent work there, well, uh, Yeah, Well done for winning the Zombie League. Uh, just the final thing to talk about is the All Englands. Uh, so yet again, my unspecified fan member forgot to look at them before the uh, before the deadline. Poor scoring week anyway. Um, they got 30 points, sadly. Um, not particularly good. Sterling's blank didn't help them out at all. I think the unspecified fan member is going to make a couple of changes this week. Uh, looking like Carl Walker coming in at the back uh, just to shore up that Nick pick. And uh, Andros Townsend, I think, will probably come in to be the uh, Crystal Palace representative in that uh, Bournemouth uh, Crystal Palace game, which I think is probably going to be the highest scorer 
we'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, the triple captain is going to be played this week, and I'm thinking we're going to play it on Nathan Redmond uh, against Huddersfield. Why not? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, see how that goes. But they're just outside the 1 million. Uh, I look forward to doing an over-30s team next year, which is going to be the replacement. So couldn't captain every week, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll be looking at Agrero. We'll be looking at some of the old boys in the Premier League there. You know, the likes of Hollabaz, if he's still playing, Ben Foster in goal. It's, it's going to be super exciting, isn't it? We'll be uh, <laughs> certainly hun- hunting the rare talent that there is in, in the Premier League over 30. Even maybe the old warhorse Glenn Murray will be wanting to play for one more season as well. But I think Jamie Vardy is another really good shout for that too. Yeah, they can show all their experience, can't they, over the course of the season. Right, let's take a break there and move on to the Q&A. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time for our community section and we're going to start with the mini league update. And uh, yeah, it's still really tight at the top. There's definitely not a clear winner at all. It's going to go right to the end of the season. Mark Sinclair and Paul Jones have swapped positions yet again. It's Team Scotland back in the lead um, after a 52-point return for Mark. Um, you know, what was a low-scoring game week? But he had Laporte and Doherty and Van Dyke. Once again, it's that back line that have been critical for him. With Aguero only getting him um, a four-point captain blank, he had the likes of Son and Mane and Sterling. So his front line was a bit disappointing. And Zaha gave him seven points. But apart from that, it was all about the defenders to have uh, brought him back into the lead. But... Uh, Paul Jones is definitely in it still. He only got 44 points this week, so he's four points behind. But Team Wales um, still making one last bid for the title. Um, Laporte and TAA, um, critical players, but he benched um, Bennett for six points. But, you know, obviously he was never going to play him anyway, was he? But, uh, yeah, very competitive between those two guys. But I think there's still quite a few people, actually, that could easily win it. Guy, Guy, Vijnaldum, Leviosa, definitely back in the reckoning after a 66-point return, which is very good. He's only 15 points um, behind uh, Mark now. And, um, yeah, Team France doing very well there. He's number one in France. It's worth highlighting as well. Oscar Norberg. Still up there as well, 2,456 points. Uh, Liam Berry, 2,454. Salvia Barr in sixth. And then um, Henry Wakefield in seventh. Gary Mayo in eighth. And Jamie O'Connor in ninth. And, and Tony Wright uh, making up the top 10, 52 points behind Mark. So perhaps not going to get the title, but still very competitive in that top 10 in the uh, who got the assist mini league. It's been very exciting to, to watch it this season. Just a side point. Oscar in fourth is 29th in Norway. 24th. 25th and 26th overall in FPL all Norwegians <laughs> absolutely <laughs> ridiculous I don't know what they put in those tacos on a Friday night um, but whatever it is is FPL juice isn't it absolutely crazy uh, well done to all the people who are doing very very well um, in the mini league it'll be interesting to see what happens I mean, you know, differential captain for uh, the likes of Guy Guy and third who was a long term leader um, could, could well win it so yeah very interesting to see how that um, ends up just one thing to mention over the summer we're going to try to do an FPL meetup in London we had a couple of dates that we were talking about uh, and this year was the 20th but we realised that was your wedding anniversary so perhaps off uh, the 27th now doesn't like a goer due to um, other clashes so it's looking like it'll be the 13th of july it'll be in the style of you know a bit of a swap shop or something you know i'm guessing the game will be open by then and we'll have our initial drafts and we'll be able to meet up have a drink have a chat and uh, compare notes about what we're thinking of doing in game week one at that point uh, it should be really really cool just to kind of have like a, an off-season refresher just to get us all going again and get us all excited again about the uh, about the upcoming season so the 13th of july i'll put some information out on twitter over the summer but get that in your diaries now so you know that you're going to be around this so we've got a fair bit of interest in that so i'll be trying to book out there it'd like it to be the sports bar and grill in paddington as chief fpl hints puts it as fpl's local uh, so it'll be really cool to do and really cool to see you so if anyone can make it it'll be on the 13th of july and, and i'll put a few more details out when i can cool uh, let's move on to the questions then and it's obviously all about game week 38 let's start up with a uh, free hit madness just to encompass the whole gamut uh, so fpl classico says he's free hitting who would you prioritize wow what a question nick what do you reckon so I think um, in t- if you're free hitting in game week 38, um, you've got to prioritise firstly the, the 
two top teams, the teams that have something to play for, and that's um, Liverpool and Manchester City. Unfortunately, my man Robbo's um, taken a knock in the Champions League semi-final, so I think for Liverpool, he'd probably be looking at Mane, TAA and Virgil van Dijk uh, because they don't have any um, fitness doubts and they're the best picks at Liverpool. Manchester City, you'll probably be looking at a triple-up as well, um, in my opinion. Aguero, um, probably... Well, Laporte and then Sterling or uh, Bernardo Silva, depending on how much of your budget you've got left. After that, I'd, I'd consider United, despite their form, and I'd still probably consider Pogba for United because they've got their nice home match against Cardiff um, and perhaps even Luke Shaw um, as a defender pick. After United, I think you've got to look at the fixtures for the other sides. Fill up, fill up your squad um, accordingly. So perhaps you'll be looking at some Newcastle assets or some Southampton assets, likes of Redmond. Um, the likes of Valerie, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Rondon or something just for lols. And, and, you know, maybe even someone like Fraser or Wilson for the Palace Bournemouth game as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this uh, actually segues nicely or links nicely to uh, a question by the Spa Games admin who asked us which game uh, we'd peg as being the wild match with goals aplenty in the final game week. So uh, always cheating to the Crystal Palace and Bournemouth. I'm probably going to back that as well. That could easily be a 5-4, just as easy to be a 0-0. I think last season, wasn't it? Uh, the Vares uh, last hurrah, uh, Spurs versus Leicester end up as the 5-4. Um, I mean, looking at the roster, there are quite a few uh, quite a few matches that could be very tasty indeed. Uh, Watford West Ham could be a bit of a goal first. You know, Watford will have their minds squarely on the FA Cup final on the 18th. Uh, so could that be a game where they both kind of, the shackles are off? Southampton, Huddersfield, I mean, having three Saints and a free hit team is probably going to be a good idea just to uh, to enable everything else effectively. Um, I'm looking very strongly at um, having Wolf Zaha in that uh, Crystal Palace Bournemouth game. Uh, kind of trust them again, uh, trust their defence, even though they've got the second choice centre-backs still in play. I think that that game could easily just be an absolute mad one. Uh, I've got some stats on Zaha I mentioned later. Uh, the likes of, you know, Leicester-Chelsea, I think, could be a bit of a cagey affair. Um, the likes of, you know, Man United-Cardiff with the youth, that could be an interesting one. Um, you've got to triple up, probably on Man City, probably double up on Liverpool. I mean, we've seen that Robertson has gone off at half-time in the fantastic 4-0 victory tonight. Um, so, the question marks over him, but you've got to probably get two or three in that. And that Spurs-Everton game, I think, could be a very interesting one because who are Spurs going to play? They're going to have to just put out anybody who can walk effectively. And Everton may kind of see them as being there for the taking. And, you know, hoping my Sigerson pick perhaps comes through there a little bit. Love scoring against his old club, for example. Um, but yeah, there's quite a lot of choice. I would probably say look at, um, you know, look, look to get the triple on Man City, or double at least on Liverpool, and then take it from there. Not sure how mighty Arsenal are going to do against Burnley again. I think they would be pretty knackered after Thursday's UEL exertions, and uh, given the rotation risk on offer there, I'm not too sure I'd be, uh, I'd be rushing to buy any of our assets. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, isn't it? Uh, John O'Forward asks us, uh, very linked to this, who is the craziest differential we can think of for Game Week 38? And that's actually quite a nice one, isn't it, in that context? Yeah, for sure. I think um, if you're going to try and go ultra crazy, then um, I think that we're going to probably see the likes of um, United play the kids. So, um, you know, Greenwood, perhaps, or Tati Chong. Or, I don't know if it's Tati or Tahith Chong, um, perhaps, <laughs> as a uber differential. That sounds, sounds like some sort of like, you know, East London slang. Oh, man, I went to that place. It was Tati Chong. It was Tai Chong that place. Anyway, oh dear. yeah, um, <laughs> drill artist. Anyway, just just trying to just trying to live like common people, mate. Yeah, um, I think uh, Tahith Chong Greenwood, perhaps United, um, and if you see like some Emery, perhaps rotate heavily as he focuses on that Europa League, and maybe even someone like Eddie Nkete. I can't say their names. Nkete. Um, Nkete, uh, perhaps as a real uber differential that you throw in just just for the final game week then but i wouldn't recommend these guys i'm just going ultra crazy here yeah absolutely i mean uh, this game week and game week one are actually really interesting mirrors aren't they because both are effectively a bit of a crapshoot and you can do pretty well just capturing a differential or something like that some of the differentials may be ones that are whose names and uh, reputations have been besmirched over the course of the season by the FPL community. People may not be looking at them as much because they've been you know, 
they, they've trolled them effectively. Maybe Felipe Anderson could be a good buy. I mentioned earlier on that Watford may be focusing very strongly on that FA Cup final. So, so maybe buying him maybe something because no one's going to be considering him because he's trolled everyone so much. Others hanging around like Mitrovic against his old club Newcastle. A bit of bad blood there, as I mentioned on last week's pod. And Mitrovic actually has had more shots off target than any other forward this year. <laughs> but you know, he could well um, just put Newcastle to the sword in the final game. He's in the shot window, of course. I mean, little things like that, a little bit of motivation could be interesting and just re-examining a few trolls maybe could be a good idea either way is it's, it's one of those isn't it that a team that looks very good could score not very much and a team like a zombie team uh, full of dead players could well absolutely smash it quite a tough game week really uh, to be looking to do that one final push um in, in many ways the final kind of question this week is obviously on the captaincy. Bill Prince, Wayne Lee and Torfig Al-Sharif, amongst others, ask about this. So Wayne says, you know, there's no standout. Uh, Prince is busy looking at differentials and uh, Torfig has just said, well, is it Mane or is it Sterling? Um, so uh, quite a lot to talk about in terms of the captaincy and maybe some insight into what we're doing. Um, in terms of the captaincy itself, Nick, um, what are your views and differentials maybe? Uh, any standouts? So I'm actually considering Aguero as um, the captain for the final game week. Um, I think Manchester City perhaps have the best fixture of the top sides um, against Brighton, and uh, Sterling hasn't really he, he's had um, he hasn't really scored in a while. To be honest, he's on a bit of a dry spell, and I don't really fancy him. And Aguero obviously is famed for his. Uh, title-winning Game Week 38 goals. So I thought, I'm going to bring in a great row and I'm going to put the captain on him. Uh, just, you know, just for the final Game Week, it's, it's got to be done. So he, he's my pick. I think he's probably the best pick that I would say out of all the, out of all the teams. Um, you know, you mentioned Mane. Um, Mo Salah's got his knock at the moment. So whilst I would have auto-captained him, uh, perhaps not in this Game Week. And Wolves are um, a tougher opponent. Though you never know with Liverpool after you saw them demolish Barcelona tonight. Um, so I think, um, and I wouldn't really, I wouldn't probably risk it on Pogba again after he got me a negative score last time I captained him. So I think, it, I think it would have to probably be a Liverpool City player, probably a City player, and the best pick for me is Aguero. Yeah, I think those are definitely the standouts, aren't they? Um, I think in, in answer to Torfi's question, if it's between Mane and Sterling, either one's probably a good pick. Uh, Sterling may be a little bit off the boil. Uh, Liverpool will be on a high and we'll be looking to put Wolves to the sword. And I think Wolves will go for it um, more than any other team would going to Anfield. So maybe Mane will get the space to uh, nod in even more of those uh, delicious TAA crosses. Um, I mean, Robertson's injured, actually, by the looks of it, off uh, 45 minutes. So, yeah, that's a, a bit of a concern. But I don't think it's going to be... Uh, be the case that Liverpool are going to fall apart about him, that's for sure. Uh, differential captains then, as I mentioned, it is a bit of a, a bit of a random one. Uh, there are a few kind of hanging out. Um, myself, uh, Matt and Alex Ball um, are all thinking about uh, potentially pushing it on Zaha. Um, uh, hear me out for just a second. Uh, Zaha's home stats are, are pretty ridiculous. Um, he's had 53 Pantiero touches and his penalty box touches in the last six, um, which is higher than any other player. He's actually second penalty box touches overall this season, just behind Mo Salah and he's had 16 attempts 14 in the box over the last six um, but only scored one goal compared to eight shots away from home which have resulted in five goals um, so I think that he is uh, maybe uh, I hate to use the word but due at home uh, looking at the XG stats perhaps doesn't stack up as well 0.97 at home so and he's not particularly the best finisher the cleanest striker of the ball uh, but if that game does turn into a crazy 5-4 like he will Saha or maybe even Callum Wilson could be kind of really, really nice, like uh, differential picks in that kind of area. So I think a lot of people will go for Kunaguero. If you're in Kunaguero, Captain Kunaguero in this game week, he, as you've mentioned, is the standout. Um, but if not, and you want to just uh, have a bit of fun in the final game week, I don't think there's much much wrong with doing that sort of thing. Uh, even, I was even considering Jamie Vardy potentially against Chelsea, but I saw that he was given player of the month uh, for April. Uh, which probably is going to damn him to miss a penalty and get a red card, uh, some sort of tussle or something. So, yeah, you know, Zaha, Wilson, something like that might be interesting. Maybe even on Altovic, uh, maybe also back in form um, after kind of having an indifferent time so far this season. So, yeah, quite a lot to think about. But, yeah, if, if you are looking to consolidate, just stick it on uh, Kuniguero, who you probably have, or if not, stick it on Sterling or Mane, you'll probably be okay. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think in terms of differentials, perhaps Vardy is a decent shout. I can see that Leicester-Chelsea game being high scoring. You could even uh, put in Eden Hazard for one last trolling before he moves to Real Madrid. Or, you know, when the, I think the Spurs-Everton perhaps could be a high scoring one. Gilfie Sigerson could be an interesting punt. Or maybe even a Southampton um, player like Redmond against Huddersfield um, for that really tasty home match at the final game week of the season. Absolutely. Well, should, uh, it should be interesting to see that the triple captain for all England is going to be on Nathan Redmond. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, no, I suspect you know last week he was uh, he was rested uh, in in game thirty seven, but I'm expecting he'll, he'll start and he'll, everyone else will start in that particular game week. All right, let's move on to transfers and captains. Then we've kind of in, uh, indicated already kind of what we're thinking about doing. I'm probably going to be removing Andre Gray, uh, putting in uh, Wolf Zaha. It's either him or maybe Mitrovic uh, against Newcastle, as I mentioned earlier, or uh, or an Altovic or maybe Wilson. But I quite like the idea of Zaha. And if we're doing a little bit of a pack to captain him with a couple of our friends, I think that might maybe quite a fun way to end the season, If it's even if it might not end in the, necessarily in a cascade of points. Um, and I'll probably be captioning him if I bring him in. I'm going to take a punt. I mean, my season's dead in the water. It's been dead since November, let's be fair. Um, so so I, I don't think I'm, I'm going to lose anything uh, by doing that. What about you? So, yeah, I've got a few flags in my team and Robertson's potentially going to be another flag. So in terms of my transfers, Son's definitely leaving the team. Firmino's probably going to go as well. Um, and Aguero and Redmond are probably going to be the guys that come in. Hopefully Salah's fit, hopefully Robbo's fit. But I've also got Jan Valerie who could step up and join the starting eleven if necessary. In terms of captaincy, I think I'm probably going to be putting it on Aguero once I transfer him in. Yeah, certainly makes sense. All right, a few little bits of housekeeping then. There's a theme every week. Last week, it was Kings of Leon and Johnny Sharp got there first. Yeah, well then, Johnny, um, just to say who we are, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and our league code is 516-441. So your last chance to join. Cool. Uh, we'll be back after the season is over for the Stats Bomb pod. Uh, we'll also be recording over the summer after a nice long break between May and maybe uh, you know, the end of June, something like that. Um, that'll include an introduction to us, why we started WGCA. I don't think we've ever actually done anything like that. Um, maybe in game week one, we introduced ourselves a little bit um, back a couple of years ago, but I think that might be cool to do. And all the usual pre-season fair, you know, written and recorded stuff is, is going to come and, and happen. You'll be busy writing it, won't you? And uh, we'll be busy kind of put, putting things together for you guys. Uh, over the course of preseason as it kind of ramps up but thanks for listening and supporting us this year if you're tuning out after sunday we really really hope we assisted you we've really enjoyed doing this again this year and uh, yeah speak to you soon thanks everyone for listening cheers Bye-bye. oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist sports social podcast network